Dude, we haven't done this in how long now? It seems like forever ago. Oh, really? Oh, no, setting it all up and everything. You have everything set up or you need some time to set stuff I'm, up? Yeah, I'm already. No, it's all set up. I'm recording. I'm keeping that. Oh, shit. Well, what do you know? Damn. Well, well, well. You know, yes, been, you know what I've been thinking, though? This has been my thing for the past two days is I don't know why, but this is where my mind goes right now. This is my critical, this is my critique of the game industry right now. Why has anyone, you know, all the remakes, all of the um, homages and the, uh, you know, expansion of movies and books and, and, and other games, remakes of games, why has no one made Grease the game? what specific like what aspect of Greece are you talking about I don't know I think a, a mixture of just like Guitar Hero a mixture of Bully you know like imagine if you're just what's his name Johnny Johnny Traco is that his, is that his name what is that uh, dude I gotta be honest with you the last time I watched Greece was probably sometime in high school and I don't think I've ever watched it all the way through so I know Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta, and that's it. The two Johns. The two Johns. It's 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 two it's two movies about two or it's Johns a movie about two Johns, right? Yeah. Okay, that's all yeah, I. That, and and like, it's just a bunch of like fifties references. I kind of wish that that's how they were referred to now. But yeah, the two I, Johns. I want a, a next gen game of. Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta starring, voice acting in full motion capture of Grease. That's just what I want. Oh my gosh, that's just that's a lot of. And you can oof. Even see like the GDC presentation of it, where it's uh, hi, my name's Jonathan Skybox, and I worked on Grease the game. Jonathan Skybox. <laughs> and we, uh, what? I really, just wanted to talk about how we used ray tracing to be able to sing. You're the one that I want. We just used it on the. I mean, to be fair, there's a lot of cars. So I mean, there's you know, if you like, if you like uh, car materials, and trying to get that done, you, you probably like, would have all that stuff in there. If you like that era of American Gosh. life, and you like cars, yeah, and you like it's Greece. weird, man. Like I don't know how you do. How would you do a video game as a musical? I know there was like the, there was the, I think they were trying to make. One of the epic Mickey's, like a musical. I remember they were at least promoting it as that. They're like, "Oh, it's the first video game musical." And then it's like the game came out, and it was like, "Ah." I thought about this. All I heard nothing about it, so I was like, "All right." I thought about this all day today. You would do Persona Five, kind of setup. So you just would basically have like parts of Greece, like them going to school, and them, you know, him doing the whole Grease Lightning, working at the car shop thing. And like you make decisions, or you can you can play as either one, right? That's the cool thing. You can play as either one as like you know two different stories, and then and then we would have to have something like Ender's Shadow, right? You would have to play as like some other uh, character, and you get to see like the cool, like the the romance develop as like you know one of the friends of either of of one of the two Johns, and then you would go, <laughs> <And> uh-huh. then... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be the new game plus though. You get to play as the friends, so like you get the backstory. That that would be the backstory. Yeah. Is this basically just going to turn into near Automata, where you have to you have to play through the game four different I'm times thinking, to get I'm the? I'm thinking of a Persona trending. Five 
framework foundation of a design game. I still got to play Persona 5 at or, some point. So, so you're in Persona 5, you're in school, you do your things in school, then you go on dates and you, you do thievery. And then you, like, sing. There's no singing. I mean, it, but, I mean, look, man. Mechanic is, is, a, is a thing that I would make. Think, think Guitar Hero, but you're, like, uh, you're turn by turn. You know, I got chills that multiply. You're going A, B, B, a C, B, X, B, D, B, D, B. You know, like you have to do the whole thing. And, sure. And then imagine this. You, we, PS5, Sony exclusive, a kind of a, a, a necklace which holds an actual real size mic. And you have to sing while you're pressing those buttons. Uh-huh. Yeah. And VR. All right. I mean, I was just thinking about Kentucky Route Zero's singing choice uh oh, but it. that sounds like that probably would be i mean i could work could do that too but would, you could but it would really stink it's like oh this is this is what i chose to sing like i got chills they're multiplying so like that he's like i got chills i'm feeling awesome you're like well that wasn't the actual <laughs> thing you should have you should have leveled up your lyrics a little bit better <laughs> i mean in that case then maybe you just don't do grease you just like use grease as a as a as a framework to build stuff off of Ryan, don't you? You know, you, that could be something that you anything. do. You 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 have to. No, it's perfect. We're gonna get everybody. We're getting we're getting John Travolta going. I actually don't know if Olivia. Okay. Going, sadly, we're gonna going. beam Zenu down to your TV. <laughs> Beaming down Zenu. You're gonna get God. Getting us there you in go. trouble. We're gonna have psychology coming. <laughs> I'm cutting this out. Uh, nope, keep it in. Keep it in. There you go. Let's go straight. It's 2020, man. You can't avoid politics of any kind. So that's just how it is. Okay. Uh, no, yeah. No, I mean, I vote. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting to do an adaptation of something like that, right? Like, yeah. what? What? It, how do you do a video game musical without it just being cutscenes? Because that's, I mean, that, that's that's straightforward. That's one way to do it. But I was, you know what? I was watching some video talking about this and how, like, you know, like back in the, you're talking about sometime between the, since the invention of sound and film all the way up to like the late 60s, like the musical was kind of this like tentpole type film. Yeah. And you just don't have that anymore. But what's interesting to hear about this, and it might be something that they bring back now around with you know obviously the current state of the world but they used to do like road shows for movies have you heard about this like what they used to do with like tentpole films dude i yeah well like there's i'm familiar with two things right i'm familiar with that concept but i'm also familiar with red dead 2 the (laughs) the traveling film like the old oh did they do that well like that was something that actually happened right like people would i don't think i got to that part in the game yeah, people come from town to town. Uh, I think this is a real thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, so, like, what they would do, and, like, they did this all the way up to the 60s, was, like, you would pay for a premium film, ex- like, film viewing experience, and you would see a movie released before it went nationwide, and it was a premium ticket. Smaller viewings, you would get, you know, like, better, I, I would assume, better like snacks or whatever that's what it seemed like and most of those were like musicals because that was considered like you know they were the prestige films so that was something that's like okay well that's where you want to go with your stuff so who knows right i mean obviously 
Uh, that's not going to happen if they keep me- making movies like Cats, or maybe they will. I don't know. Like, depends on the audience here, but uh, they should. Just, you know, they like should just do what they did with Cats for the next Trolls movie. Just for oh my gosh! <laughs> just bring in like Justin just Timberlake's face on top of the the troll. Just in there. I mean, look, hey man, I don't need to. Like, all right, I'm going to be very on brand, even though this is a few minutes of us recording here, yeah. but. Uh, <laughs> you know that they uh they got like walk around characters at Universal of the Trolls movies, right? I did not know that. Did you know this? <laughs> so they have them. One of them farts glitter. Okay. Like you go right, like well, again, in normal times, you would go to a theme park when they were. Well, I guess some of them are that open. Would, unfortunately, that would be something that you normally uh, would be like, okay, fun. Yeah, like that would be something that you would normally do, right? Like you walk up to a character, you go take a picture with them. And so back in normal days, you would just do that. And I saw a video of like some of them from last year. There was a troll butt naked. uh, Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. farting glitter. And I was just like, sounds, sounds all right. Sounds, <laughs> Sounds cool. That's pretty cool. That's you know. It know. does it. Does it? I'm just like, okay, cool. I guess that's a thing that you can do. Like just straight up. We need to slapping those to, cheeks. Just get them. after having modeling the whole entire Harry Potter town. I, I you know, John. Do you have any Johnny Skybox? Do you have any ideas? <laughs> this is, after, uh, being, after being late, I really love that glitter farting troll. <laughs> can we do that? Here's Disney opening up their billion-dollar Star Wars land with all this amazing tech, and Universal's like, let's get a troll that farts glitter. And to be honest with you, I'm like, it's pretty comparable, man. I don't know. It's like, it's like I don't, I don't <laughs> they have the same amount of like entertainment like, value to me. So my, like, my, my big thing now is with the whole you know, the state, of the state of things, I just don't like any type of extra air touching me. I don't like it yeah. windy. Oh, I have no idea if they do it now. I mean, they're open in Florida. They're, you know, they're not open out here. Um, None of the theme parks have opened up back in California, so I guess that's a good thing. (laughs) Um, We'll see. But, but like, you know, hey, if we're going to talk about theme parks, let's talk about... No. Let's talk about about my Polygon article. No. um, (laughs) No. uh, I don't know, man. What were we talking about? Buildings? We were talking about environments... Hold on. Let's, so let's start in the sense, I, you know, this is, we're going to do more episodes. Maybe we'll see. I don't know. Life is crazy right now. Uh, just a little, just a little bit. Ever. Both of us are basically have emerged from, you know, the, uh, the bunker with, with new occupation, new, new jobs, new directions and in, in our careers. Um, and, uh, uh, my wife and I had our first kid, and I've been thinking of a best way to describe this in a game dev sense that would be comparable, or at least to somebody that uh, right now that is working as a game dev or environment artist that doesn't have a kid yet. I I, I kind of uh, have come to terms with having, first of all, having a kid is awesome. We had a little little girl, and she's super awesome, and I have a picture or two on Twitter of her because she's adorable and uh, all that, but... I, I've kind of considered like game dev now having being a game dev with a, a kid is like 
like deciding that you want to go new game plus as a game dev. So not that it's any, it doesn't make your job more challenging, but new game plus is like, you got your, all your skills from the game before, but now you, you know, things have just been tweaked a little harder. You know, you're, you're up in the middle of the night with, you know, baby and, and all that stuff, which is, which is challenging, but it's, it's honestly fun, man. And it what's what's kind of made this whole, all the stuff going on right now is being able to stay home with my family and everything like that and be able to spend time, lunchtime with her. Normally she would be in daycare um, is been super awesome. So there's been a lot of stuff going on. Ryan, you've, you've, as you said, you've published some articles off of a few Twitter posts. <laughs> I sure have somehow. I don't know how that happened, but <laughs> you've been going well, to some go. bespoke corners of theme parkery. As, as normal, but like you said, on brand and because uh, I haven't left my house in like six months, so uh, <laughs> so my brain know. goes to travel, which for a while it was looking at different parts of the world and everything, and then now I just fell into a theme park YouTube hole, and that's for at least the last two months, and it's not left it since then. So when this is done, I want to get something going. I know you were talking about this, but just something with all of our friends, just getting every some sort of celebration. I don't care if it's five celebration years. of. Well, you know, maybe that's, you know, I don't know, not uh, nice to say, but yeah, it's crazy times, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a crazy year. It's been a crazy couple of months. So, but it's been, uh, you know, I think we both have gone through a lot of different changes in the last year, uh, mostly for the good. And so I think it's been on our end, just seeing how different parts Different, you know, like just trying to make the best of the situations that we're in, especially all of us now, given just the current state of the world and even how the industry is changing and reacting to all the different, all the, all the absolute insane stuff that has happened this year. Um, it is, it's, it, it's, it's been, it's, there's been ups and downs with like everything. I think that's the big deal is that we have a lot of ups and downs. We have a lot of different things that we can talk about. Um, maybe not for one episode, some really heavy stuff. Yeah, I mean, Obviously, a lot of heavy industry stuff but Ryan, this going why, on. This is why I wanted us to get together is because I think the first reason that we kind of started this, or at least my whole point of contacting you early in the beginning was just kind of send good vibes out there. I think that the the one thing that I wanted to talk about today is just kind of, you know, everyone being at home and thinking about things and being on social media all the time. Um, I thought it would be a, kind of a prime opportunity to talk about just the topic of critique, art critique, and game critique. Um, so I wanted to kind of go through that today with you and to see where that goes. But I had a few bullet points here of, you know, kind of at least uh, us talking about it in different forms right and when i talk about critique uh in general i'm just i'm specifically talking about uh you know feedback or reaction reactions either verbal or or visual to someone's artwork or a group's artwork and um you know just the do's and don'ts i I, you know not i don't find myself to be any professional of going through my life and making the best choices or saying the best things at all in fact i I, I sometimes have a very hard time uh, even articulating myself, um, uh, as many do, um, or having the, I don't know, the the the, the self esteem or or the uh, or just the the resolve to you know 
to speak up and, and, and say certain things. But, um, <clears throat> you know, I think it's always great to kind of go through or at least ex- exercise with somebody like you, uh, like good practices for a critique. Because I think that right now, if the world needs anything and the game dev community needs anything, specifically environment artists too, uh, not just environment artists, but you know, this is environment art podcast, is, um, you know, knowing how to treat each other great and, and ha- getting into some constructive conversation amidst the absolute craziness that's out there. So <clears throat> I think that just going through uh, today, Ryan, I, like I was saying before to you, is like, I think we should get into critique, like the subject of critique as an artist, critiquing artists, um, artist to artist, um, critiquing work in games as a fan of games. And um, we can get into the difference of that. And then critiquing as a game dev, a game developer. I think all three of these things, while we can sit there and be like, oh, they all are the same guidelines that you, you know, be nice and treat, you know, use the golden rule, treat others as how you want to be treated and all that stuff. You know, there's, there's, there's subtleties in all of these. And and specifically I'll be kind of speaking in the example of social media, I think, because, you know, to a certain point, unfortunately, as much as I love Twitter, I really do. I, I, I love, I love the idea of Twitter in the sense of, Hey, I can get up in the morning and look at incredible artwork um, I know you and I were talking about just some some really cool things on there, and my Twitter is just uh, miniature painting. I'm back into, especially being uh, inside all the time, back into Warhammer miniatures, and I'm I am I'm sure not na- sending you a nauseating amount of my painting that I've been doing for <laughs> a couple of weeks. But um, no, it's all cool stuff. Yeah. Like my, miniature painting, I, I love fighting games, as I've always said. I like Street Fighter and all that stuff, so I, I look at cool swaggy combos and i love game dev art and i love discussions about games i got into this industry because i love games i like playing games and i thought man it would really be cool if i was able to inspire somebody the same way that i was inspired by people like uh hideo kojima with uh metal gear solid and and the the teams that made street fighter and the teams that made dark souls and all this cool stuff that makes your mind wander and, and, and it's escapism and it's educational to certain degrees and, and it makes you think and it makes you feel sad and makes you feel happy and I really like all that stuff. So mm-hmm. um, I like feeling emotions. As a, yeah, no, as for as sure. As I mean, I think also it'd be good to talk about just like some of the different approaches we found that are both good and bad in terms of giving critiques. I think we both have been in in both senior and lead positions where we have to kind of talk, communicate different points to people. You know, sometimes it's the art, sometimes it's the execution, sometimes it's the general workflow for stuff. Um, other times you have to message things that are not super comfortable to message to people, but it's something that you, you know, you have to find a way to be able to do it without uh, making a person feel like they have to put the like five alarm alert on of like hey something bad is going to happen uh unless you take some steps to fix whatever this is right and yeah and that is that's the way that's such such an uncomfortable position to be in it's not fun uh, but there's ways to communicate and talk to people about that um you know and more so just as a communication skill of messaging things and trying to put things into context without deflating people. And I think that's always the big deal with like 
critiquing. And I can tell you too, it was like, I never really properly learned how to critique people until I really got more in tune with trying to understand how my own communication worked with people and how things I said in body language and even just presented them, right? The difference between saying it through text, whether that's through discord or Slack or whatever, you know, text communication you want to use versus like a verbal, you know, like there's times where both of those work and sometimes where they don't work. Um, you know, like just off the bat, right? Like beyond just the context of what you're trying to say, there's points where sometimes it's better not to say stuff out loud to a person. <laughs> you know, if you're in a room with other and you go up to someone, even if it's like an organized critique, sometimes it's better not to necessarily do that, right? Like you have to just be aware of what the context is and and what you're you know, what the situation you're in, in terms of how you want to message this stuff to people, right? Like walking up to someone and doing what, like I would call like a drive-by, which is basically like going up to someone's desk back when we all worked at desks in the same room together. Um, And just being like, hey, that thing's cool, but you could do this, this, and this. That's not a good way to work. That's not a good way to critique anybody in that situation. Why don't... I think that's a really good point, but I, I, the, I think the one thing that we might want to do is just like even step back before that. So like, I both of us went to art school. You know, we were happy with certain things and not happy with other things, right? Going to art school is a completely different change, unless you've been to like, you know, if you're coming from a, a traditional high school, you know, you're <clears throat> you're getting into these crazy studio experiences and critique experiences of hours and hours and hours of homework, visual homework. And I'll be honest, I think I never spent the same amount of time on art pieces before I went to college. Um, it seemed like, you know, I, I had had some really long format drawings, big drawings, stuff four foot by 10 foot, uh, you know, eight, you know, the normal 18 by 21 inches, you know, the normal pad size, right? And those, that's it's kind of a big surface to, to draw on. But and then you, you find yourself just basically just getting slammed with artwork from all these different classes and the, at least where, where I went to school we had six hour studio classes and so we would sit there for maybe a, a 30 minutes to an hour critiquing each other's work and man you learn a ton from doing that because most of the time you go to art school uh, it can be incredibly diverse and I mean specifically you know diverse people for sure but absolutely diverse skill sets you know and that was my kind of trial by fire of I came from a kind of a traditionalist background. The guy that taught me or the teacher that taught me in, in high school taught me how to draw with pencils and paint with oil paintings. And I was taught how to gesso and stretch canvases and I must use oils, do not use acrylics. You know, you're learning these few things. And I really appreciate that. But going to school and realizing, oh, my gosh, there's vine charcoal, there's Conti crayon, there's people – painting with inks and blocking out with inks and then coming in with something else and and this just complete explosion of media you know you you quickly find ways to or you quickly have to boil down ways to even give people critique if you want to um you know uh be present and and participate in these critiques and and sometimes teachers would ask your opinion so you had to be ready either you know either way 
to definitely receive critique and then give critique if you wanted to. I always found it super fun, um, but it can be really challenging. And I think that one of the, you know, you hear certain ways to give critique in the sense of, oh, well, I like these two things. And they start off with a kind of a little bit of sugar. And then they say, but I would work on this. And I think, you know, uh, personally to me, I think that's kind of a fine format. Uh, I don't personally like getting critiqued that way. I'm kind of a person where I would like to just someone to come up to me and say, hey, you know, I think that this could be a little bit better, Um, mainly just because that allows me to kind of get to a place where, oh, okay, if this isn't working, what about this? And I can kind of go through different pieces if we have the time to do it um, to kind of triangulate what I have to do to create better artwork or do a different technique. But, um, you know, I, I found a lot of, I had just had a lot of interesting experiences doing it in the sense of uh-huh. you, you see how people kind of react to critique art, art critique. Right. Um, and you, you learn to kind of on the fly, be not only proactive with your approach of being nice to somebody and, and what it means to be constructive, right. Everything from uh-huh. the way that you're talking to how simple you kind of create things or how complex you try to get into a certain situation, um, to the point of, you know, when you feel like it's right or not to critique something, um, you know, there'd be people that come up and have incredible artwork and, you know, you would, I always felt that that was the opportunity to say, Hey, you did an incredible job, you know, and this is just, uh, like a, a little piece of critique mainly just because when someone wows you with incredible artwork, um, you want to see them keep that momentum if possible, you know, if it's healthy to create incredible pieces like that. And so I would always, that would inspire me to speak onto a, you know, this is great. I like this, this, and this, you know, and like, I, I, and I would always just say, and something, even with a win or something that I like, I would say, I, I would really, I, it would inspire me to see something you take this, this place or, or change it this way. And I always try to speak from the heart of, you know, why something is, is really, uh, gelling or not gelling with me. Um, so people know that I'm, I'm kind of coming from a good place. Um, right. You know, um, yeah. I don't know if you have any good college critique stories or any good uh, examples or anything that you had, but I don't. And, and like, I think that's one of the things here to kind of talk about is like, I, my school had a pretty informal and loose way of doing critiques in a way, which kind of trained people to just walk up and just say stuff. Right. And part of that is, I think, you know, some people can handle that. And I think there's a lot of schools that do do that. Um, train that a lot of studios that do that as well, where it's like, Hey, like if you're an artist, just be prepared to get critiques at any specific time whenever possible. Right. Like yeah. be prepared and to, and that can work for some people and some people can thrive in that. And other times people can't. Right. And I think the thing that I've kind of come to the conclusion to, especially in the last like year and a half, two years is like really understanding that like, not everybody works that way and most people are cool getting critiques any ways they can like any way they can right yeah so you don't need to do the drive-by you don't need to do the like hey i posted my work or i have it in display or i'm more you know open display somewhere which is like impossible when you're working in a studio because you're always having your monitor up with work um and just having 
people do that, it doesn't accommodate for everybody. And I think that's one of those things that you can kind of start to have more conversations about of how do you handle critiques? What are the environments? Where are the spaces that you create to allow for that rather than it just being an open free for all for stuff. Right. And then the other important part is trying to communicate those, those boundaries to other people. Right. And just show, Hey, look, this is like, this is not an acceptable way to do it. Right. Like this is not how we do this here. We have these specific areas to give critique for, and that's what we want to stick with. Right. Just because someone's showing off work doesn't mean they always want to critique. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's places to do that. Right. Like if, 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 you know, you're in a discord server with a bunch of people and you post in the comment and critique section and you post your work, you know, there's kind of an understanding that you are posting that in there because you want feedback. If you're posting it just to be like, Hey, here, you know, in general chat, or maybe you have like a portfolio channel or introduction channel or something, one where you're more of just like, here's my stuff. Here it is. I'm not, you know, like then that's, you know, there's ways to kind of communicate that um, in there. And, and so I think it's more about trying and like, it's such a hard thing because also in terms of giving critiques too, I've worked under people that have vastly different ways of approaching critiquing. Some want to do it in private, right? Like some people want to just be like, Hey, there are designated areas to do that. Whether that's, you know, through task management and sending out bugs or sending out polished tasks and things like that. Or, you know, there's specific like, times and meetings for critiques or even there's points where it's like you know you might have had a meeting or you, or like you walked by someone and just said hey look i don't know if you're open to critiques right now uh a you should always ask that first yeah. and if they are then just say hey this is what i thought could be fixed you know i just passed by and i saw this thing over here but you message but you send that in a in a private message you don't just go up to the person's desk and talk to them behind them um and do that because that's just not Again, that's not the way to do. That's the way that I think is like, you know, not to say that it's bad and not to say that other people aren't, but there are people that don't find it uh, a good way to work, right? Some people don't like that. Some people segment out kind of where their work is, or sometimes they feel like they don't want to show stuff as early. And that can, you know, artists are, we're all fragile people (laughs) for the most part. Yeah. Admit it or not. And, and and people saying, well, you know, I can handle critiques and stuff like that. But we all, you know, like when you spend time working on something, you make specific decisions and you think that those decisions work and somebody goes, well, no, I don't think so. Then, yeah. you know, regardless of the tone, right, like it might be like, oh, hey, why don't you try this instead? That's something where it just becomes like, OK, well, what do you do in those situations? So I think, uh, you know. I I had to learn once I got more into like a lead role um, about how to communicate that stuff and really kind of get that through. And I think there were points even when I was doing just like high level critiques for like a team and stuff like that, that was something where uh, I had to find, you know, like I had a format that was essentially presented to me of like, hey, you're going to spend one day, two days a week 
going through and just critiquing everybody's work and assigning bugs out and polish notes. And that was like formatted to me. That was something I didn't come up with. That was something that was already like predetermined. I was asked to do. Right. Yeah, yeah. But then I just started asking myself, why was that formatted in this way? Right. Like, yeah. how, you know, is that an effective way to approach that stuff? What's the best way to communicate certain things? Right. Like um, I know myself personally, I have a impulse as a person to instantly want to fix stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, I am always a person that wants to fix things and, and that can come off sometimes as, as being aggressive to some people in that way. And that's just who I am. And I see that as both a good thing, but it also has a double-edged sword. Oh, and so absolutely. I've had to learn. It's like, Hey, like one of the nice things about working in that format of like, all right, here's, here's like 13 artists go through each of their work from the last week or two and start giving them critiques for things um, and formalize that in the, like in these tasks. And then they will just get these tasks and they will look at stuff and they have questions. They'll come to you. That was great for me because otherwise I, I had the impulse beforehand of getting up and going to talk to people. Right. And being like, Hey, I saw this thing. Can you do that? And guess what? That's not a good way to do it. (laughs) It's really not a good way to do it. Uh, and so I had to fight that impulse. And I think that made me a better critiquer because of that. Um, yeah. You know, I like I used to, it's like I saw better ways to work. Right. Like I I I worried about my own communication skill through just sending text like information that it made me feel inadequate to a way of doing that. So in my mind it was always better to just go and go up and talk to somebody. But the reality is like, you know, I'm, I have the impulse to get up and do it. The other person might just be going along their day. And all of a sudden you drive by and go, Hey, real quick, I need you to do that. Right. like this type of thing. Um, and yeah, that's just not, you know, it's not a good way to work and that stuff. And so I think now really, again, the last couple of years here, it's really something I've been far more cognizant of, and just, you know, one of the best advice that I, that I can give anybody when they're working in a team environment and they're unsure of like when to give critiques to people is just ask, just ask the person, Hey, you in the right mindset right now to talk about critiques. Yeah. And if they say no, or oh, maybe later, then just step away and do it. What, what, if they say, yeah, go ahead and do it. Ryan, one of the things yeah. I actually have kind of done for years now is basically kind of pretend that I'm working or I'm actually talking to myself when I'm super busy. So I, when I'm super busy, you know, I you know, just, I'm so focused. I actually, people have come to my desk. My wife comes to my desk and she'll scare me. I will jump out of my seat because I'm just so focused sometimes, especially with the, the digital stuff. It's, it's uh-huh. that way. So, you know, my thing is like, I, I always say, Hey, when's, when's the best time? Not even, Hey, are you free right now? I always even say, I try to, Hey, next week, will you be free? Like what's the rush type of thing? You know, if yeah, or or a couple days. That way, is there's no pressure because uh, yeah, some people might say like, oh, yeah, yeah. hey, you free right now? With uh, especially if you're in a leadership position or or a senior position, you know, uh, hey, are you free right now? They might say, oh, I better say yes, you know. So I I, yeah. I I even sometimes just say, you know, hey, are you free next week? Because you know, one of these things is is like, to me, critique is always just going to be a journey, right? Like. There is no one thing that someone can say to me, to you, to anybody to kind of, you know, 
I think that's that's one thing we can try to kind of you've been walking into the game dev territory is like in game dev there's like this idea that like somehow you're supposed to be Hawkeye from the Avengers and just bullseye every asset that comes your way, you know, and never receive any critique, which is yeah, to me not... absolutely insane. Yeah, to, to the no, point where how can you even if it's a small team, you want to be collaborating with everyone and the one thing that that means is that that takes time (laughs) you know and time isn't in minutes or seconds or even hours by that it's days weeks and months that's why these games take a long time to make small indie titles and triple a titles all tend to take years to make or you know months or you know there's failure mainly just because like this is something that's very difficult. So, you know, I always just try to say, Hey, we're, we're on a journey this to get on, on this together. We might have some sort of goal we want to hit by a certain date, right? Like, Hey, if we can all understand, or if I can at least express my opinion or critique to this piece, this certain way, um, you know, like, you know, it'll be great if we get to the certain point. The other thing is too, though, like at least in a professional environment as a game dev, you know, critique is great, but it's also knowing when to, when, when's enough's enough in the sense of, you know, if you're working on a team and you're, you're not the art director or you're not the lead or, you know, you're just somebody, you know, speak to your heart and speak to the enthusiasm or your inspiration, you know, I, I, or, or if you have art meetings is a great place to, to kind of yep. talk, especially if it's an open floor. And even more so, you know, I've seen that it's, or I've experienced that it's great if, if, if someone kind of comes up after an art meeting, hey, I really like this, you know, it'd be really neat too. And you kind of have this moment where you're around the, the treasure map together, you know, like, oh man, like, right. what can we do? That's the type of thing that's really neat. So I, I would almost say critique, the best critique comes alongside collaboration. And even to the point where going back to, rewinding the clock to when I was in college and when I was in high school, the best critique that I ever, ever, ever received is when I was asked to, or I would, I I gave permission to the teacher or to another artist to work on my piece, to learn something. Now, not everyone learns this way, but I've, I've kind of taken that to heart to the way that I work with others in three, in the 3d space where we'll sit down, we'll open up the file together. We'll rotate around it. We'll figure out what's going on. I would be in figure drawing class and during one of the 10 minute, five minute poses, the teacher would uh, sit down with me and just say, Hey, look, I see what you're doing here. I love this, but watch what I do really quick. Watch what I do. You don't have to do it, but just watch what I do really quick. I'm going to block out the forms more. You're blocking out the forms, but I'm going to block them out. Look how loose I'm going to go. It's going to, you're going to think I'm crazy. I used to have this, 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 uh, this one art teacher, she was awesome. She had this like little, uh, like visor on and she would sit there and I remember her sitting down like, listen, I like your stuff. And, uh, but I'm going to watch how crazy I get with this. And she was like, you know, entertained by, she was going to try to, you know, uh, you know, uh, surprise me. And it was great. I mean, she, I mean, it was from her that I taught, I was, I really loosened up with my blocking techniques, with my figurative stuff. And, and honestly too, I tapped into that getting into 3d. It took me years to basically 
crawl out of the technical pit that is learning all this software, right? And just feeling like you're kind of an artist again where you can just jazz on stuff. But like, I still think back to it was a it was a pose of a uh, a guy in one of the figure drawing classes, and he was kind of doing a little bit of the thinker, but it was like the you know the the kind of um, cheaper version of the thinker, <laughs> where, <laughs> where he was getting tired, he couldn't really put his his fist on his chin any longer, and I was like, this poor man can't hold this for five minutes. This is I wrote two. I've written too many think pieces I, <laughs> that I'm exhausted. Yeah, yeah, economy. yeah. Uh, but the um you know th- that type of scenario to me is always great you know and some people might not like that they might not want their artwork to be uh touched by others or whatever but i mean i, I really i really suggest that people try it out i mean uh, that is one of the things i would love to see on the, some of these discords and everything especially if, when the, the dis when any type of thing gets big like i, I wouldn't say go on twitter and 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 like link your max file and be like somebody work on this because they're you know who knows where that max file is gonna go type of thing but mm-hmm. you know but sitting down with a you know a couple f- friends i mean like that's something that i've done with you and and josh and a couple other people it's like hey check this check this uh max file out check this video out check the, this these textures out and stuff like that i want people to kind of mess with my stuff i want to i want to be challenged i want to i want to see how they respond to what I've set up, uh, especially with game dev art. How how clean do you think my Photoshop file is? I think it might be clean, but do you think it's too clean? Do you think that is easy to work in? You know, these are these. This is the t- type of technical feedback you were talking about earlier in this episode, where it is incredibly, incredibly valuable to you know just have someone kind of move around your space. You know, like. Uh, your max file is your studio, you know, your Photoshop file, your substance graph is your studio. You know, if you, you keep it nice and clean, you're going to get better critique is, you know, you're, 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 you're inviting someone to basically have a better space. You know, you, you don't walk into someone's studio and they have trash all on the ground. They don't have another chair for you to sit on, you know, you make them stand there and, and, you know, hunch over and, and draw in your drawing. It's the same type of idea there. So yeah, I'm I'm a hands-on uh, approach, um, and you know I really I really dig that. And you know I, I think that that's something that I would love to see more of uh, in the future. You know, opening and I know there are art meetings at studios that that do that, but I would love to see it in, in kind of more of the um, the the personal art space. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm a big fan of when people show their process too, and I know we've talked a lot about that in the past. But yeah, there's just my two cents on that. I think um, yeah. that would be great to see in, in the future. And, in more- and again, like I, I would just reiterate the fact that like in both a professional and you know personal work environment, especially if it's like more of a social space where you're asking for critique, right? Like if it's a Discord server or something equivalent to that, maybe a meetup or whatever. Just always like the best thing to do is just ask a per a ask if there, you know, like ask or check if there's already existing areas where you can give feedback to. And if those are already there, whether the spaces, whether it's a meeting or whether it's, you know, like a channel or something like that, or just a specific space that people have explicitly for critiques, right? 
And then the other part is outside of those, just ask the person if they're willing to talk about stuff. And like what Justin said, I think is a good way to approach it, right? Like, unless it's like five alarm, we need to fix this right now type deal. Um, and like, I can get into ways of talking about that stuff as well. Cause that can sometimes very quickly become, uh, you kind of throw this stuff out the window sometimes when you have to deal with something that's like, we need to fix this now, but yeah. you know, you could be, you know, like ask yourself, Hey, is this really something we need to fix today? Like, is this going to be fixed now? Is it a big enough deal where I need to go and adjust things, but just ask the person, Hey, is it cool if I, you know, we get together at some point and, and talk about critiquing stuff and then just see how they feel it out, you know, and that's really it. It's just, you know, you want to be able to create that space one other point that you kind of brought up that I think is important to keep in mind too, is like, and it's something that I I'm sure we both had to discover naturally in a way, which is that, you know, depending on how you approach people and what your role is in comparison to their role, um, you know, there's kind of a power dynamic to that stuff. If you're in a senior or like a lead type role and you want to talk about that stuff, it has more weight Right. Or like you brought up a good point, too, which is like, you know, like in the minds of and like, I don't think any of us think this intentionally, but I definitely know I felt this is more of a junior. Yeah. It's like when you have a senior lead and you're giving critique and maybe they're doing some work, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel great to like give them feedback on stuff. Like when is the environment for that in place? Yeah. And I think it's important to just, again, keep in mind, it's like that's probably going to go through their heads, right? Like we, you know, I think we all felt that at some point it's like, you know, I've had leads and, and seniors I worked with when, when I was junior or even at mid where um, you don't know it, like you don't know where the right place to give them critique are, or you just have the mindset of this person's off limits. I can't give them any sort of feedback on stuff. Yeah. So I think there's a responsibility for those that have that seniority and have that, have that power essentially to, to bring that up and bring it up and just be like, Hey, cool. Hey, here's my work. Anybody have any feedback? You know, like I did that this the other day at work for stuff, which is like, you know, I'm like, I'm asking everybody, Hey, please give me any feedback. What do people think about this and try to open it up as a discussion and see what people oh, feel, you know, and like get the temperature. And I think it's, it's, it's the responsibility of the person that is doing that uh um to really bring that to the table you know uh and like create that environment in there right and all it takes is really just the suggestion of it and making it feel like it's a regular routine and just creating the environment of hey everyone's work is you know you know we all need feedback we all need critique none of us are going to be masters of everything that we do right everyone works off of feedback for stuff um especially in a studio environment where you might be working on a specific style, a specific thing. And maybe, you know, it's not the most naturally uh, occurring way of doing it for a person. You know, even if you've been doing a certain style for years, there's stuff where you might be like, ah, hey, you know what? Not a hundred percent sure. This is, <laughs> is this what, what I should be doing? So I think it's important to, again, just always, you know, uh, creating and fostering an environment that allows for, critiques but also allows it for ways that's not out of control and like creates a formalized way of doing it right yeah, like absolutely. meetings can be good i had you know like it, I, like 
I've been in like weekly art meetings where there's no, no allowance for critiquing someone's work. It's strictly just to show stuff off. And there's other points throughout the week that allow people to, to do that. Right. Um, like you weren't even allowed to ask, Hey, does anyone have any feedback on this stuff? Right. They were just like, Nope, just show your work and move on. Right. That type of deal. Um, which I mean, that can be both a good and bad thing, but I would also say like, there's points where, you know, you need to create spaces that allow for people to, uh, you know, have those open like critiques again. Right. Like, like where, you know, do you, you have a formalized meeting? Do you have a formalized way of giving and receiving feedback to your team? Right. And people getting that stuff. Right. Or, you know, even getting up and asking people for that advice, be like, Hey, do you have some time later to look at my work? I'm kind of stuck at this point and I just want to get your eyes on this. If you have time, right. Like yep. that type of deal. Yeah. It can be uh, really hard sometimes to even, if you're really busy, it can be hard to even foster a certain type of communication with somebody uh, to just get the critique that you need. And sometimes you may yeah. feel a little lost in the water. Everyone talks. About it's it. hard, man. I mean, th th that's the thing too, is like, you know, uh, I think we both have been in, in this situation recently too, where, and, and, and we all, I think feel this to a certain extent, which is like, you know, especially once you start taking on more of like a lead role in a team, you know, like team management, you know, there might be points where, your lead is gone for most of the day. Be like, I don't know what the heck this person is doing, but they're never at their desk and I don't actually know what their job is type deal, right? So, so like a certain extent, but then once you start doing the work, you go, oh, I see why. I see why I'm in this situation. <laughs> I see why that person was not available as much either, right? So so just to, to kind of elaborate on that, since you, know, you were saying we, so just to, to, I have experienced that I've experienced that mindset. It came very early on in my career, maybe first year or second year, where you're trying the hardest to do the best possible work that you can create. And I mean, it's a, you know, you can kind of get into your head that it's kind of a do or die thing to, to, to kind of, this is my next, you know, this piece should be better than this piece should be better than this piece. And the one reason <laughs> that we, you know, like I, I kind of, say that this is environment art is that man environment art is hard there are tiling textures there are props there are hero pieces there are statues there are hard surface things there's organic you're never going to be working on the same thing even if you're responsible for all the trees and all the bushes or all the you know the mailboxes in a game or all the you know the pebbles you know each certain asset that you're going to make is going to be different and so when you're in that kind of heightened form it's easy to be like, oh, where, when am I going to get critique? Because, you know, you're just trying to make sure that by the time it gets finished, that it's perfect. And, you know, the best way to, to kind of step back from all of that, from being kind of the franticness of trying to get feedback to um, making sure that the, their next piece is going to be perfect, is try to just take a step back and realize that it doesn't matter if you're in your first year in the industry or your 30th year in the industry, you are going to learn something new every day. It might not be the same thing you learned 20 years ago or 10 years ago, but it is going to be something that you definitely did not know, at least a perspective that you weren't aware of. Um, and just understanding that you know the learning process is going to come with failures and, and surprises along the way 
actually kind of makes it fun. Uh, and when I, I'm not even trying to be silly or uh, with that statement, I, I, I now love, you know, what, what's going to be the next challenge? What's going to be, what's, what are we going to solve? How are we going to do this? You know, to a certain degree, you got to get things done. It's not like, just like, I love to be, you know, you hear a lot of people like, I love R and D. R and D is great, but I also love production. I love pre-production. I love polishing a game. I love every little aspect of it. It all has its, its pros and cons, right? There's challenges and everything, but you know, you know, just being able to kind of go through and solve certain things that, you know, that happen is great. I mean, that's, that's, you know, not to sound like crazy, not crazy, but just like, like super positive. It's like, that's, that's what life is, right? Like just a series of, of cool engagements and encounters where you're just trying to figure some things out, um, you know, and, and, and be successful and be happy and have friends and all that stuff. It's the same thing. Just getting critique and, and, and creating artwork. There's going to be some things that you make that you probably don't like working on the entire time, you know, but being able to get past that and articulate what was challenging might make it fun to work on the next time. I, I'll be honest. I, for the first couple years of my career, I had somehow made a, gave myself a, um, a fear an irrational fear of working on, organic hard surface stuff in the sense of like rocks and pebbles and gravel and everything. I don't know where it came from, uh, but like, you, like I, I just gave this one asset just became this thing that I felt like I could never do. And I, I and recently I, I've been working on some earthbound uh, personal work stuff. It, it, you know, this has been my kind of um, happy place right now. Hey, me too. Yeah, I, well, yeah. It's like Earthbound's pretty good or something. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like it's your fault, you know. But anyway, <laughs> but uh, but you know, I have started to you know I now that I'm not in production with having to create rocks on a timeline, I'm like, hey man, I've never been able to make enough of these where I feel like I have mastered this in the same way where. When I was in college, I would tack up hanging cloth on the wall, washcloths, towels, and, and sheets. Uh, small tangent. There was this one time where I was uh, a smarty pants and decided to um, draw my entire, like my bed. I got out of bed and I was like, I looked at the sheets. I was like, this is beautiful. I'm going to draw this. Well, that drawing assignment was a two week assignment. Guess who did not sleep in their bed for two weeks? I decided to change the drawing and, and, uh, it normally it would have been fine. I was like kind of a weird lizard man in, in, in college. And somehow we all had individual dorms with individual thermostats. So I kept mine at like 76 and everyone was like, what's wrong with you? It's winter. Like, why do you have your room so hot? It's like steaming. And I was like, I don't know. I like it. Well, the heating broke. And so the two weeks that I decided to not sleep in my bed, I also used all of my covers so I found I found a solution, but man, that was like a rude awakening that I probably flew a little too close to the sun with that assignment. But yeah, I mean, like that was something that I really did. I really I digged at the time was doing cloth drawings and everything. And it's like, well, I've never done. That. I did it with ears. I've done it with certain like uh, anatomy hands. Right, everyone draws hands. I, I drew feet for a while. Drew eyeballs. You know, you're like, oh, cool. Every single drawing you do of this subject is better and better and better and better and better. You learn more and more and more. And you can't believe that after you do a hundred of them, 
you're like, wow, I, I can't believe I, I couldn't even draw an eyeball. I couldn't even draw. So now that's my 3D experiment is going in and kind of challenging myself to things that I felt like I don't have the best strengths in. Right. And that mm-hmm. is a, such a sobering idea. Right. To I mean, I I'm a, my own worst critic, but to be able to kind of sit down and outline, hey, these are this is my roadmap for my personal work and things that I feel like I need to work on. It's refreshing in the end of the day, and that's what keeps me coming back to it. So anyway, you know, when you're working through your work and you're working through critique, try to find ways to further your understanding of your your artwork and how to articulate what you're trying to do with your artwork. Um, right. You know, to, 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 to learn as much as possible. And in turn, use that knowledge of how to articulate what you're doing with your own artwork to help others right yeah back i think that's a very important thing here to keep in mind is that and it's really just you know the key thing to keep in mind is everything that we do as artists regardless of what medium we're in for stuff is that it's a language we are trying to communicate to people specific ideas and so you need to be able to still articulate it through the visuals through the design through you know bringing you know, like just understanding how to communicate that stuff to people. Right. And I think that's, what's really important to also keep in mind when it comes to critiquing things too. It's like, Hey, like if you can understand how to communicate something, right. Like the worst critiques, you know, like we're not even talking about like the, the, like, like top, top of the line, bad, never do types of critiques, which is the sucks or, Hey, I don't like this. Why don't you like this? I don't know. I just don't yeah. like there. Like, unfortunately you might have to, you know, you might have to work with that and try to dig into what that is, but you know, hopefully you're working with other artists that understand that that is in fact a bad thing to do <laughs> and to not do that. So, uh, you know, I think it's important to just keep that in mind. It's like, Hey, critiquing is just about communication. It's about trying stuff. It's also the way that you present that stuff, right? It's not even presenting as like, this is bad and you're bad. It's more of like, how do you present it? You know, the way that you were talking about, it was just like, Hey, right. Like out of, you know, getting out of a meeting, be like, Hey, I really like this thing. Um, Maybe think about something kind of like this, that might be a way to, you know, make this even better type of deal. Right. And that's a way to present it. Right. Again, it's all about presentation. It's all about talking to people about that stuff too. Right. Like um, one of the points that I was talking about earlier too, was like, how do you communicate stuff to, to people when, when there's a dire need for change of something, right. Or there's a dire need to, to address something, right. Maybe, Something, you know, like it's, it's a number of different circumstances that you might find yourself in for this. It could be something where the art needs some additional work. Maybe there's something where, you know, um, like it's out of the artist's hands and just something has changed externally, but you know, things have to kind of adjust and things have to kind of change along the way. Maybe it's a technical requirement, right? Like something. Maybe it's a technical requirement, stuff like that. And you want to be able to communicate that to artists that you work with that, Hey, we need to be able to fix this thing. But the last thing you want to do is like present it in a panic mode of like, okay, guys, this is all bad here. I'm just going to be straight up honest with you, blah, blah, blah. Yes. Right. Like yes. 
this type of deal, because regardless of what, what your intent is, and, you know, obviously there's a balancing act between communicating to someone that, Hey, this is a very serious thing that we have to take into consideration uh, versus, uh, you know, like being nonchalant about it and just trying to be like, everything's fine type deal. Right. Um, Is that it's, 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 that's a hard line to, to balance out. But again, I think it's mostly just knowing your artists and knowing that most people usually want to be encouraged and most people want to be excited about what they're doing. And so it's always comes down to just trying to present it in that way. And even if, you know, there might even be points, it's like last year I was working with an artist and there was a thing that we were doing where uh, they were concerned about uh, the timeline of how much stuff they had to do. And they had spent a lot of time doing some conceptual stuff because we just didn't have a lot of concept support for something we were building. And ultimately, you know, uh, it was messages to both them and as well as my boss, who is the art director of like, hey, we need to move this along quickly. And I have concerns about this, this, this. They're going to have a lot of extra stuff here. What can we do? And that artist also came to me and said, I'm really concerned. I don't know what to do about this. This seems like a lot of work. And we just said, okay, hey, let's break this down. Let's just break this down step by step. Start to see what's here. Let's create an asset list and just be realistic. Don't try to be optimistic about it, but just be realistic about like, you know, how long it's going to take you to make this stuff. And so we did that. And then we also did like, hey, is this stuff that you need? Is this stuff you absolutely need right now? Is this stuff you need for ship? Uh, You know, like, like start to break that down of like, what are the things in there? And from there, you know, we saw that his schedule was a little over, but it wasn't by a lot. And that made him calm down significantly. In fact, he like sent me a message later. He's like, thanks, man. I really appreciate you just helping me break that down. Right. And like, that's a huge deal there. It's like, I knew it was a big deal because the fact that I saw the schedule and I saw also the look on my boss's face and he was just like, this needs to be fixed now. Right. And so, um, to be able to just get that person there. Cause it's like, Hey, if I go to that artist and I give the same type of thing, you know, this needs to be fixed now and this needs to be adjusted, they would just like freak out. Right. Especially if I'm not presenting any sort of solutions either. Right. That's another big part of critiques as well as like, you don't want to just present a problem and say, you go and fix it. Um, you want to present a problem, but you also need to be able to give some sort of, answers doesn't have to be direct answers either right like when it comes to critiquing other artists particularly i would say more junior level artists there's a lot to be said about trying to give like present them potential options but don't get too granular with it and let them figure it out right um and that's something that i think any of us as leads or directors at certain levels i think the really good ones understand this which is like don't just give your team i need you to make this exactly like this in these things and that right like give them the ability to kind of interpret stuff right sometimes there's things where it's like hey we need a doorknob that looks exactly like this for a cinematic can you just get this in here right that's fun but if there's like hey we need to figure out a gameplay aspect of this thing this thing has to move a door or whatever uh we don't know how the player is going to interact with that object, how, you know, like 
artists go and figure that out, right? And start to throw ideas and suggestions out if they're like, I don't know what to do here, blah, type of deal, right? And then let them kind of run with it, right? Just try to break it down with them and say, hey, here's the purpose it serves. You know, it's kind of like these five other things, you know, and just kind of see whatever you want to do with it, right? And let them kind of come up with it and, and be, or, you know, you don't even have to give them the five. You could just be like, hey, here's some stuff, you know, here's kind of the purpose it serves. Start to think about what these could represent, right? Yep. And so, again, it's a, it's hard. It's a lot of, it's a lot of circumstantial stuff. Everybody acts completely differently. Yeah. Everyone takes critiques and thinks differently and problem solves differently. And it's just about trying to help everybody manage their own expectations on how to handle that stuff. Um, And like trying to help people feel confident and feel like they're capable of doing the work. Right. And I think that's an important thing here. And even if you're not working with someone, right. And even if it's just a social thing, like what's the point of bringing someone down, right? Like what is the point of that, of like, if someone's asking for help and they've shown, you know, initiative to want to get better and have worked and taken lessons and and like applied that stuff to their work there's no reason for you to like bash that person right and, and, or or like you know like always ask yourself what is your you know especially in like a social environment like a discord or whatever right like what is your motivation for wanting to give this critique if no one is asking you specifically yes what is it is it because you genuinely want to help or is it because you want to show off and that's where you need to start asking yourself exactly what is what is your underlying motivation for that and start to think about that right i think this is a perfect time to kind of switch the conversation and what you just said to um basically like giving critique as a fan of games right I think that it's safe to say that a majority of game developers also are fans of games. And you can see that in any social media platform, wherever you want, you know, hear it on the street, depending on, you know, where, where, uh, well, not, not really much anymore right now, but you're out to lunch, you know, you see other game developers from other studios and, and everyone's just kind of celebrating this cool job, right? It's kind of a dream job for people that want to come into it. And it's cool to make art. It's cool to make things that are interactive uh, for others. And I think just to kind of uh, add on to what you said or, or, or take a different approach to it, right? In a sense, I think that critique, as we've been talking about now for in the past, you know, close to an hour, is incredibly important. It is so easy, just like any other communication in this world, for it to break down and become toxic and become not a good thing, um, mainly just because of how it's handled. Like everything else, like every other relationship in your life, it takes effort to have a healthy relationship with others and the people around you and your peers and your loved ones. So that needs to be said with the same, the same type of idea of communicating on social media and giving critique in social media. I, you know, was kind of bummed over this past year of 20, uh, or, you know, in 2019, 
of how I was seeing a lot of posts about games, uh, specifically critiquing games or critiquing aspects of games to a point where, frankly, in that forum, right, people had no really business of kind of hot takes. I I am not a fan of the, the kind of, I know it's kind of a meme thing, but I'm not a fan of the hot take, I'm going to critique art of another game culture in the sense of, there's a difference here. And so let me be very clear. I love when people celebrate games or certain aspects of games, right? I really love the guns of this. I really loved this mechanic. You and I are do this a lot. If I do tweet, I hardly tweet anymore. Um, and when I do, I just try to show my artwork or whatever, right? Um, or say things that I like. I, I, I think that's just kind of a great approach, right? If you know, they, people say, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say it at all type of thing. I think with social media at this certain point in our careers and in this uh, type of climate, I think like just being nice is super important. And that means, <laughs> hey, if you're going to talk about a game, just, you know, talk about the ones that you like. If you don't like a game or if for something, something bothers you, right, just just... You know, if you really feel strongly about it and you have something constructive to say, reach out on back channels or privately to other developers if you want to try to kind of send a, a heartfelt critique their way. You know, that's the one thing I think about this industry is that we all want to succeed. We want to see every game be good. And, you know, sometimes I think people have great intentions, but they take it a little too far. And uh -huh. um, it's a it's a huge bummer to me because I see people that I really really respect do this a lot, and um, you know I, I just I, w I would say you know like anyone listening to this is just you know next time you want to tweet or next time you want to post or something like that just think just think about it take a second and just think hey why am I doing this like Ryan like you said you know why 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 am I doing this and and the other thing is too if you have something really valuable to say you know maybe just put it in practice with your own artwork. I mean, we are, most of us as artists are really um, gifted, you know, just through and through, not only to work in the industry, not only to have the drive to try to want to work in the industry, maybe you're, maybe you're a student, you know, to be able to at least articulate in your mind what you think a specific thing should look like. You know, if I'm not saying to just have, you know, if you see something you don't like, remake it and say, hey, this is better. But just, you know, try to just practice in your art what you believe makes good art. And, you know, if it's something co color composition, an idea, you know, just if you need to express yourself, express yourself visually with your own artwork. I think that is the best constructive thing that you can do for our community, for our game development community. And um, I would really refrain from, you know, posting about other people's work um, to the point where communication breaks down. And I, the, furthermore, I think that what happens is that it muddies the water for any type of discourse. So, you know, you might say, hey, I really, really like this stuff. Or you might want to ha have a conversation, a critical conversation about a, a specific topic in games. 
right? Maybe mission structure, maybe story, maybe narrative, maybe dialogue, right? And and immediately because of that type of, you know, having these type of conversations that are probably not suited for, you know, public consumption or, or social media, it becomes a free-for-all, like a melee of aggressive kind of posts and stuff. And it really, really, really has um, personally bummed me out to see that type of stuff, right? I would ne- I never, ever in my wildest dreams think that I, I for the rest of my life, don't want to see game developers coming out and uh, either you know, attacking fans or attacking other developers or fighting, you know, it's one thing to have a kind of heated conversation or, or, or a discussion or debate, just do it somewhere else, man. Like, I, I don't know, May, maybe I'm out of my element saying that, but to me, it's like in this type of, uh, time, we need to stick together as creatives in a positive form, in a positive forum. And, um, you know, it's only going to make things better. It's only going to make our artwork, our expression, our visual, our visual, visual interactive expression better. And, you know, it makes every day uh, a little sunnier, right? And I would love to, to see us go into the winter here, um, you know, really, really kind of redefining our, the way that we critique our artwork and, and, the we have all these tools from discord to twitter to instagram you know get out there and post your artwork post your process even if something's not finished right you think it doesn't look good just throw it up there don't second guess it don't look up what time is best to get the most likes on twitter don't do you, you know just just throw it out there mm-hmm. I, I think we got to get past this kind of mechanical um you know, it's just it, it's it's becoming a little too just crazy. You know, I, 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 I think of when I joined Twitter and 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 social media and what it was at first and what it's become now for critique and everything. And, and, and honestly, I just find myself basically having this point where I just I just yeah, it's just bummed out. I wish I had, a, a you know, a, a little place that I could hide and post my work for a few people. But at the same time, I realized that I really, really enjoy being able to celebrate artwork with everybody. And right. I, I really, you know, who knows what this means? Unfortunately, we're talking about critique, and this is a critique of this current state of how we give critique. My, my only solution is, is just to, I don't know, possibly create a, a place where, you know, people can share stuff. And I know those exist. But just, you know, practice what you preach, uh, lead by example, right? Uh, maybe even create a type of outline that people can use to submit critique to others, right? That, that's like a great idea. Hey, what, what, hey I like this. I, what's one thing you like? What's one thing you, you, you feel like could be improved upon? How would you improve upon it? What's your solution? Bada bing, bada boom, you're done, right? And that way you're not trying to, you know, wax poetically – about <laughs> like something that maybe someone was just trying to, you know, maybe they just wanted to show it off and, and have maybe one or two people say, Hey, I like this, or I don't like this, or, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it's just, they just wanted to get out there. Um, 
and, you know, I, I just would like to see a little bit, you know, through and through, I just would like to see a little bit more uh, uh, discipline, especially from, from, from senior game devs out there, uh, just to chill. Take a, take a step back. If you feel like you can't get on these, these type of things, these uh, social media platforms, these communication platforms, without, like, getting into a brawl, right? Or, or saying, like, man, I, I wish so-and-so did this better or this team did this better. Man, it's that's why don't don't do that. Instead, show me your cool piece that you're working on. Show me, tell me what movie inspired you recently. Tell me what you're doing to uh, stay happy during uh, these trying times. You know that to me is inspirational, and I would I would put money down on the fact, right? Like I that I I really strongly believe that going in that direction will always produce better visual artwork across the board for everybody when you are you have a place where you can be inspired where you can you can go where everyone knows your name and that's cheers i would like to i would like to make a oh god place like you do realize that like probably half of our audience is like what the f- <laughs> reference they're not gonna get that reference. i haven't even um, watched that show so please don't someone like i mean that show ended what like when we were like probably not even in preschool yet for us like yeah. is that even good it's chairs it's chair is it here's the wild thing for me not to go on a tangent here yeah, but yeah. chairs is like whatever but golden girls shit man people know golden girls <laughs> i bought myself a new golden girl shirt yesterday and I'm, it's not, like, I'm not a big see here my my thing was is that when all those shows came on kind of associate them with having to do my homework and i did my homework i was a good oh, kid yeah. in school but i, I, I just associated them with nick at night that was my deal oh yeah so yeah i, I never really watched a bunch of tv i was more of like a mo- we would watch movies over and over again you know everything from... but yeah no no but, but but like to your point yeah uh like i don't see twitter as a good place to have um at least as artists to really like showcase pieces and talk about specific pieces. I just don't see it as a good spot for that. You know what I mean? There's enough discussions going on around other topics and, and things. And like, I have some thoughts about what about, I feel like Twitter game dev Twitter has gone through a lot, especially the last couple of months. Yeah. Some of it has been great to kind of, get it out there and talk about, you know, a lot of the really, really terrible abuses out there of people. And I think that that's like, absolutely. And, you know, like just talking about like what it's like being in this industry, which, you know, I've had discussions with numerous people now that are like, oh, is it even uh, worth getting into this industry for? And it sucks to hear that. Right. Cause it's like, well, you know, it's hard enough as is, right. Just this pure production, thing but to add other elements other social and other gender identity and 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 other things to it it's awful for just that but that being said i think sometimes twitter game dev twitter can get a little overboard with with discussions of stuff everybody feels like they have to kind of chime into stuff and i'm guilty of this for sure like yeah had a whole discussion last week about about games that bring that, that like the 
morality of of stories told in games, right? Like that 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 was a big discussion this last week about stuff, and I think that uh, that are you know like <laughs> it's hard to have discussions like nuanced discussions about that stuff on Twitter, right? Because there's a variety of different things. It's not just like the headline of the article. There's also stuff like the the content of the article, the discussions being had, right? Like I like I I agree to some extent what that article was trying to talk about, mm-hmm. which is that hey, stories retell should have moral like takeaways. Give me a takeaway at the end of a game, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with the way that person talked about it, nor do I agree with the idea that, again because I don't think the article was told in this or written in this uh, way to kind of make the point across. Um, Like, I don't think you need to have one way or the other. It shouldn't be one way or the other. It shouldn't be like, you need to only tell morality tales and not morally gray stuff. Cause I think that's, that's a ridiculous statement to have about any of that stuff. Um, Just the idea of like, Hey, don't tell anybody what to you know what type of stories they want to tell unless those stories are like hey nazis are pretty great right then by fuck that person <laughs> if they're gonna do that route um <laughs> but like be but right like if people want to explore stories and ideas around morally great topics they should i think the thing that they were kind of getting at here a little bit was that sometimes those stories and games leave a lot to be desired in terms of what is the takeaway from this, right? Like, and the thing is, is like a lot of people that work on those type of games, you, you know, like a lot of us in this industry want to, you know, we do what we do because we want to be able to, to, to encourage people and, and to like have takeaways from our games, right? We want, to feel things and we want people to have a takeaway from it, right? At the end of the day. And sometimes we're good at making people feel specific things, but we don't always leave them with something that they can take, take away and use for themselves. Right. And I think yeah. this is definitely on my feeling, but it's like, if you're going to build games that are built around that, you need to do that. You need to understand what your message is that you're giving as a takeaway for stuff. Right. Like, yep. um, and like that point's got to, in my mind, it's got to be interesting at least, right? But that's a subjective thing, right? Um, you know, like there's just a lot of different things that you can do. Where, hey, a game can make you feel something. It can make you feel very emotional. You can feel great about it. But I always find that, you know, if it doesn't leave me with something as a takeaway at the end, that I can kind of like say, okay, this is what this story is about, and I understand why it's an important thing. Um, then, you know, there's that. It's like, you know, I'll use a film as an example. It's like Cloud Atlas, like the Cloud Atlas film. Have you ever seen it? I have watched a teeny tiny bit of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so like, it is a, that film is fascinating on a number of different levels. Uh, It does some stuff really well, does some stuff, you know, like the execution of it isn't as great with certain parts of it, but I think my biggest critique of that film is that at the end of the day, the message they're trying to give across in, in, in that story 
didn't need three hours to to like make that point. You know what I mean? That was kind of the thing that for me was like, okay, like you had a point and I and I get it, and at least you had something you wanted to say. I don't think you needed three hours to do that to get this point across. Yeah. Um, there could have been something with that same point they could have expanded on, they could have done some other stuff. Um, but that was kind of my biggest critique of that type of story is just, yeah, like there's, there's other things that you can do in there. Right. But having that takeaway is in there, right. It's, 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 it's not just about a game trying to make you feel something. It's also about a game giving you a takeaway for stuff. And those are two different things um, for sure. You can enjoy a game that made you feel something, but there's definitely been points where it's like, okay, but what is this really about? And then you have to go, Oh, what that might be. Right. And so anyways, about that article, um explicitly i don't think the approach of of it has to be only good and bad only type of stories either worked and i don't even know if that was the point they were trying to make because again it didn't come across clearly in the article but yeah um, you know there's just a lot of different stories and things that we still have to kind of talk about and the way we deliver those but i think everyone has stories and ideas they want to talk about and if they can execute on those ideas well in the format they want to do then by all means let them do that right of course. and this this really brings up a good point of just in the sense of just kind of closing out this discussion about critique it's like you're gonna work on things if you're lucky you're gonna work on things or you're, you're gonna put enough effort into your artwork where you like what you're working on right you're proud of what you're working on but i would caution against becoming having your work become such a darling to you where you feel like it is possibly you 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 have come down on the side where you don't you do do not want critique from it and i i think back about being in art college and or art school and um someone came in and said you know this is a piece that i did about my family member and we said, you know, we said, I just, everyone was like, oh, cool, you know. And, you know, as normal, you know, which just, was just critiquing and, um, you know, just giving constructive critique. And the person got very, very upset because it was something that was much more personal than the normal assignment. And, you know, the person wasn't asked to, we weren't asked to create personal pieces, but the person came out and did this. And I think it's absolutely beautiful and great to do such a thing. At the same time, too, you know, it's, it doesn't, again, the what you worked on doesn't have to be your best thing ever. And it, you don't have to, um, you don't have to shut down conversation about it, right? Like, you know, it that must have felt horrible to create something and an art piece and have people at least not respond to it the way that you thought it would, right? Everyone right. wants everyone wants people to tell them to a certain degree or everyone wants to to have their artwork at least respond in a positive manner, right? To inspire right. people. And when you don't, it's a really crummy feeling. It really is. And but you yeah. know what's the, you know what's worse? And this is what I'll leave, I'll leave, leave you with. What's worse than uh, not having someone respond well to an art piece is for your peers to be silent and not give you good critique to make your next piece better. Because mm -hmm. that, to me, is probably 
one of some of the scariest situations I've ever been in for me as an artist is knowing that I feel like I'm not getting any critique for some of the work that I've, I've posted or shared or I've done that to me is a place that no artist ever wants to be in. And uh, that's, I think that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like we're not talking about a specific game either when it comes to either. We're just talking about like in general, you know, like there are things that you can see out there of just, Hey, like, let's talk about these, you know, let's talk about these specific things within projects and certain amounts of feedback and discussions about it. Right. Having a discussion about it, I think is really healthy. Yeah. Right. And again, it goes back to the communication part of it too. Right. Like sometimes it's just not going to work for a person, the way you communicate, it might work for other people, right? Like maybe you get 10 people in a room and four people understand it completely of what you're doing. The other six might not be totally on board with it. Right. And it just all comes down to the way that you want to present that stuff and, and have discussions on those things. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, like, right. Like you also have to kind of be honest and just say to yourself, where's this coming from and be sure of it. Right. Like, yeah. uh, I would also say there's points where people might ignore feedback because they think it's trolling or harassing. And I don't think that's a good, you know, unless that's like, you know, like there's a pattern and there's something specifically that you can see within that, that you go, okay, yeah, I can see how somebody would feel that way about this particular piece um you know i don't think that that's a healthy thing to look at either in terms of like ignoring the feedback because you want to make an assumption about a person right again there's obviously trolls on the internet there's people that will just do nutty shit uh (laughs) and rise above it rise above yeah you know rise above it but also you know just have the you know like have those discussions, talk to your, you know, talk to the people that are giving you that feedback for stuff. And if they're not the trolls, right. If they're not the obvious trolls for stuff, then, you know, yeah. Like then that's something to have, you know, again, discussions about for stuff. If that's something you want, right. Maybe you don't want it. Maybe it's not there, yeah. you know? And again, that goes, you know, it's, it's, it's a nuanced discussion when it comes to all this stuff about critiques. It's not just about, um, you know, there is not one way to do it. There's not one problem solve and one approach to things. It's going to be different for everybody and there's going to be different discussions and there's going to be different points of how that works. And, you know, even people change in terms of the way things work, right? Like you might be able to give someone who you feel like you have a lot of confidence in and you can probably be, you know, like, you know, talk to them about the critique of what they want to do. Maybe in, 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 in a different tone than you would with someone who you're not familiar with. Um, But that doesn't matter, right? Like it still doesn't matter. You still have to be, you know, coming from a place of wanting to be helpful and encouraging and productive. Right. And those three things are super important. The three things you should kind of keep in mind when you're giving any sort of critiques, you know, like keep in mind that you want to be helpful and, you know, just be productive and like encourage people. Otherwise, you know, especially now, right. We need to be able to make like help all of us in this time right now, because it's really, 
little scary. The next couple months are going to be a couple pretty scary. Yeah. Maybe the next year, who knows? Maybe the next year might be pretty scary. Who knows? Right. But I think we need to be able to equally just say to ourselves, hey, we are going to, um, you know, be encouraging to each other and just be helpful and have open discussions. And if there's things where it's like, hey, you want to talk about some type of discourse, just think about the forum and think the way that you pose it, right? Um, and even think of the way that people react to that stuff, right? Like, that's another big part of it, too, is like, feel, you know, like, be mindful of the way that you communicate things and also be mindful of the way that people react to stuff, right? And then just kind of work with that as a way of, hey, you know, if you're not looking for a fight, then try to do what you need to do to calm the nerves down a little bit in there, right? If you're looking for a fight, God bless you. Good luck with that. <laughs> it's like, go, go for that, man. Like, it's on you, but, you know, you got to do the consequences of that if that's the case uh that you want to go with but you know ultimately I, I i don't feel like that that's a that's always a good route to go especially on a professional level um you know like it just you know again just kind of watch what you're doing and just again kind of like like what justin said is like just you know try to try to treat people with respect and and like encourage them to do the best work that they can do and, and just try to, you know, be helpful in this time right now too, right? Checking on your friends and see how they're doing and, you know, set up, set up nights where you all can kind of discuss or even, you know, like I saw some, they were missing just like Google Hangouts. And like, I remember Google Hangouts being a bigger thing, like six, seven years ago where artists would just get get on and just jam on work and have screen share open and just chit chat while they do some stuff and that's always helpful for stuff you know like that's always good to have that obviously you know put the boundaries up that you feel like you need to put up for that stuff but other than that you know like just just try to take care of yourselves right now and try to take care of each other definitely ryan as always it's great to talk to you chat with you before we get out of here what have you been what have you been playing Oh God! You know what I've been playing. Oh, yeah. I just I know what you're playing. I'm playing right now. Sea of Thieves. <laughs> <laughs> I go from like obsessively playing one multiplayer game to another. I did start playing Fall Guys this oh, morning yeah. after like several attempts of not being able to connect because of all the networking issues oh, they've had man. most of the week. But that's fun. That seems like a good fun alternative. That might be a fun. Gr- you know, hey, get get a group of friends together and play Fall Guys, or Fall get guys. a group of friends and play Sea of Thieves. Although Sea of Thieves is definitely one of the most uh, aggressive games I've played in a while. <laughs> so if you're looking for a chill time, Sea of Thieves can do that for you, but it can also not be I mean, that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pirates. You're you're a pirate. There's going to be some piratey stuff happening, you know? Yeah. And, 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 I wish uh, they had like a chill mode sometimes. I, mean, I, I, I would love a well, that's what we're gonna do. So after after we finish the RPG, um, Greece, Greece the RPG, Greece, the Greece, Greece the RPG, starring, God. yeah, um, <laughs> we'll get. <laughs> I, I would, I, I would love to work on that game, and then yeah. and then we'll work on um, peaceful boat sim 
2021. I mean, that would be, be a year ahead of this boat sounds great where you just sail. And, and you just hang out. I would probably be, ca- but you know, I, I would love yeah, I will say this, like, so Sea of Thieves indirectly has made me want to try to pick up Wind Waker again. Oh boy. And here's the deal with Wind Waker for me. It's that I don't, I, it never clicked with me. The art style is fantastic. Really cool. There's a lot of really neat imagery, but I always felt intimidated about just sailing out to sea and just being like, all right, have fun. Just figure out what you want to do with this stuff. Yep. And good luck to you. And I never really cared for that. But since Sea of Thieves does that on the regular and I think has a significantly larger map than Wind Waker, it's making me go, okay, what if I just treat it like Sea of Thieves and try to do that? Um, the two, the, you know, yeah, I agree with you. The two, the two things of just being a fan of games that will, will will literally keep me up at night if I think about it are never getting level cap in Final Fantasy XI, my favorite environments ever of that time. I love that game, and not playing through Wind Waker. I don't know what happened. I bought the game. I bought the game twice, and every time I tried to get through it, I just I don't know, but I did, you know what? I did go back and play Phantom Hourglass and I played the one, it's Phantom Hourglass that had the Wind Waker uh, mechanics in it. I think it did. I don't know. I've never played any Zelda. There was a boat one and I think it was Phantom Hourglass. So I at least got to play that and that allowed me to kind of put that to rest. That kind of, I don't know, it it just was, it was a bummer because I had a few friends in college. I had a really good friend. And he loved that game so much so that it's become like this kind of spiritual thing for me listening to that main song. Like I will go, not now, but I will go out on the beach and listen to the Wind Waker main theme just to to, to ground myself back with Mother Nature. Because to me, if you're ever on a boat and you're not listening to the Wind Waker theme, I don't know what to tell you, Okay. Just just like when I get coffee, I have coffee in the morning. I listen to Earthbound Coffee Break. Oh, there you go. That's pretty chill, right this there. Is a chill. I need I need my chill time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. You know, sometimes you just got to go to the habits you have. If there's stuff like, uh, if you have, you know, find your happy place. I, I've I've been. I think I posted this on Twitter the other day. I found a a radio an online radio station that plays Disney world music and they have different channels. One of them is just straight up all the music from uh, not space mountain, but the chill parts of space mountain going through the tunnels. And it's like, Hey, there's a lot of that shit, which is surprising. Yeah. Uh, Cause they've changed the soundtrack a couple different times, but it's all just nice, like synth ambient music. And it goes back to like really analog synthy stuff from the seventies when they open the right up to like more modern stuff and sometimes it's nice just to have that ambient synth sound just to chill and just think that you're in that endless loop of trying to get out of that ride when you're done I just instead of being stuck at your home for five hours. I, I, I just had this this thought of just you Monday morning you know the, 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 all the lights are still off you walk downstairs everyone's still asleep you have a little light on in the kitchen you know the, the the microwave, the microwave light, and you just you put on your headphones and put it together, and what do you get? Bippity boppity boop, and you're just there. You <laughs> go. That happens sometimes, unfortunately. 
when you go down that route, my friends, uh, <laughs> you will sometimes get some zippity doodah and bibbity poppity boo in your life. And uh, I'm not proud of it, but you know, hey, I just want good ambient synth music, and there just happens to be. <laughs> On there, so I will take that. And maybe, yeah, maybe sometimes I do sing "Bibbity Bobbity Boo." So what? Who cares? Whatever. I'm 34. What's wrong with Bibbity Bobbity? Maybe I go to the Bibbity Bobbity Boutique sometimes. Get my hair done, put some glitter. I don't know. Whatever. It's all good. Maybe the troll that cuts my hair farts out some glitter on my hair. Oh my god! Oh. We all need. There you go. Universal. If any. If any uh, Universal employees are listening to this, there you go. Hair bo- the... Troll hair boutique. You troll hair, wear hair, hair. Cut your hair. Then a troll comes in at the end and farts glitter. There you go. Right, right all over your hair. And you can't get it out for weeks. And so you're just stuck with <laughs> and everyone... fart glitter in your hair. So every time you're in the shower for the next three weeks waiting to get it out. <laughs> remind yourself that a troll farted on your face to get you that beautiful. 2019 was going to Disney and getting a lightsaber. 2021 will be going to Universal <laughs> and getting farted on by a troll from the movie Trolls and having glitter all over you. God, dude, just, oh my God. Just... Anyway. I mean, they should just do it as a 2020 thing now. You know, if you're going to open up the parks, and you're gonna just be like, well, whatever. Yeah. Let's just go. <laughs> Might Although as well it's go. Social distancing. So maybe that's not. That's maybe not a good thing. Before, before we get out of here, right, maybe it's a 2020 thing. Just do trolls. Before we get and, out of here, uh, sorry, I don't um, need to cut off. You no, 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 no. Like, what are you playing? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I just want. I actually just want to give a thank you to you know. Uh, there's been a couple games I've been playing that really have just. Uh, you know, gaming is my kind of way of, you know, it's a, it's a form of meditation for me. I'm, I, I feel like I can, you know, just chill out with this. And then it allows me to kind of then, you know, um, find my happy place and then, you know, give back to others. Right. And, and spending time with my daughter and all that. But a couple games, you know, there's, a, I have a couple of friends that have been very, very, very kind and, 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 and scored me a, a, a few games or gifted me a few games over these troubling times. And uh, Animal Crossing, the team, the Nintendo, Animal Crossing Horizons. I'm a big Animal Crossing fan. I've been Animal Crossing. You know, there was times in college when people asked me to go out drinking and I stayed home and played Animal Crossing. That's the type of person I am. I'm sorry. I don't care. I love shaking trees and having money bags fall out of them. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and I would have I literally had a playlist, uh, t- uh, uh, Animal Crossing, Shaking Money Trees playlist, um, uh, that Last of Us Two, I'm a must through it. I love it. The environments are really good. You guys did it again. 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 I just I, every single time, you know, I was I was late to the the party with the the environments uh, of Uncharted. Everyone talked about Uncharted 2 environments, and I was still talking about Final Fantasy XI because I love Final Fantasy XI. And I finally just went back and played that stuff in Uncharted 4 I really liked. I like the amount of adventure I get from those games, you know, even in a kind of uh, more dark, uh, dystopian, uh, strangely close to real life uh, themed <laughs> uh, Last of Us 2. Um, I, I really dig in that. And, and then uh, Ghost of Tsushima, oh my gosh, is really cool. Uh, I love the wind mechanics. Uh, it's amazing. 
I love the haikus. I love to write haikus. I actually do that because I'm a nerd. Uh, so when a game has a haiku mechanic, um, you know, I, I, I might I might bite that mechanic and do an homage to that mechanic in Grease the game and have haikus <laughs> that John Travolta will write in between uh, summer loving happen so fast. I don't think that's the right amount of syllables. But... That is the most boomer ass thing I can think of <laughs> doing. Is, I can totally see John Travolta doing that. Very much. You know, we should get out of here, though. I, he was literally just oom-bopping. <laughs> that's what he thinks an oom- That's what he thinks a uh, haiku is. You don't actually have to write a good haiku because your character doesn't know is you can no, just write no, one no. well it, it only it levels up that's your, actually kind of brilliant is it like, levels up your intelligence which then you can cast magic because your magic is all car magic and there you go yeah. oh no and you, all the car. yeah you would you need to be able to have enough mp to, to cast greet grease lightning too upgrade your car upgrade. for some serious <laughs> some serious I'm, I'm telling you every single time we get together we have another cool game I'll next time we get on uh, uh, episode together. I'll talk talk to you about some of my other cookie games that we're making. But uh, yeah, that and then there's one other one that I got into that I'm really liking because I'm in the 40k uh, Warhammer, you know, nerdy nerdy space. I love making miniatures. Um, miniatures have become my way of breaking the seal of not doing digital work and and becoming less personal with my work so i can get it done and just enjoy the process more than worrying about what i'm going to create in the end uh so i do a lot of miniature stuff and that then in turns uh levels me up uh my excitement up to jump back into digital space and rinse repair and uh, i've been playing valfaris and i just really like that game so thank you for making that game it's metal and cool and I'm kind of like not a big metalhead or anything like that. I like to listen to like Bonnie Vare and drink coffee and tear up thinking about hummingbirds flying over the ocean. But I do love Valfaris. It's it's enough metal for me to kind of uh run around and just get into this crazy kind of throwback of those type of games and that type of era. And then it has just the just the pinch of the forty K universe kind of crazy gothic stuff that I like. So right. thank you. Thank you all That's for making cool. cool crap. Uh it's not crap, it's very it's very good stuff, very good art. And um it just is is an excite, excitement to uh you know at you know at the end of the day jump into those worlds. So thank you. And I, I think there's other games that I'm playing. Oh yeah, Sea of Thieves with you. You and I play Sea of Thieves. We, sea of Thieves. we our boat gets sunk every night and we it's great. I feel like gotten we've become professional saying, Hey, we just spawn, please don't sink us and they do. It's okay. <laughs> it is it I love the free form of the game. I love that it's that it's like in the same way the game like Breath of the Wild is just about systems and all these systems can play with each other and it creates a unique experience each time, which I love. Um but it can also be very frustrating and very demoralizing i've definitely there's been points even this year playing with other people where it's like you go do a thing and then you come back and and it's like all right here you go i just just have to turn in this treasure and then i can go to bed and the next thing you know you hear and then you're just sunk and you're like oh my three hours of another player just wants to ruin your night (laughs) come on 
smash. Everyone's going to be like, I'm so like beyond Sea of Thieves too. Like I, I've been playing a lot of older games as I as I usually do. Um, I've been enjoying the hell out of Dragon Quest three, mm. and I talk about this some other times. I know we're running. Over. There's something fascinating going back to a series that, and especially that early in a series that defined a whole genre of games like playing dragon quest one is fascinating to see because it's just like so much of the jrpg turn base like combat is there like it's just there like everything like you see that but there's other things that you pick up on that you don't normally see in that genre as much either and so it's kind of interesting to uh yeah just like see how the birth of that genre is and the things that people have taken and things they've left behind. Yeah. And I think in both dragon quest one and three, I've tried two. two is not super great. Uh, there's a lot of balancing issues with it that make it unfun very quickly. But what's fascinating is like, Hey, you know, like tr- tr- dragon quest one was like, you are off as an adventurer going off and fighting monsters and dragon quest two is like, what if we give you a party? Right. And now it's like the idea of like playing a turn based JRPG type game where you don't have a party would be like, what what are you guys doing? This is what you need to have a party. But to go back and play Dragon Quest one and see there's not a party and then see how that how that changes and evolves. And, you know, even the fact that they did other iterations of the game, I'm I've been playing on the Super Nintendo or the Super Famicom version of the game, uh, which has a bunch of updated quality of life stuff versus the original yeah. famicom or nes ones um it's really cool and Dr- Dr- dragon quest 3 is surprising because it has a lot of systems like in something like zelda or sea of thieves where it's like make up your own party members yeah they don't really have a lot of personality but you have the way to make you know you go to a bar you basically go to a tavern and you can just recruit certain people in the party and then they will level up and they will change their class based off of that. Very similar to something like how final fantasy would do it later with the class system. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's fun to kind of go back and, 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 and see that and say, okay, if you look at this stuff, what could you do now? If you started with this as the core idea, rather than, you know, all the other aspects of a genre. Um, so that's been fun to kind of just play around with and noodle with, but uh but yeah, man, I don't know. That, that's that's really it. Just kind of keep keeping busy. It's been a weird year. Uh, yeah, man. Playing way more games than I have in my life because I just don't want to go outside. That's really it. <laughs> Great way to end the podcast on some really positive note. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll America. Some sort of weird Grease song. So, there we go. Thank we'll you, everybody. Some... We'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs> They're multiplying And I'm losing control Of the power you're supplying It's electrifying You better shape up Cause I need that And my heart is set on you You better shape up You better understand